Lights. Camera. Action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner. And the matchup we'll be getting into today, and brace yourself for this, it's 2017's Rise of the Foot Soldier 3, The Pat Tate Story, versus 1994's Leon the Professional. Keenan, I'd say this is one of our quirkiest matchups since Django and Toy Story. Yeah, very good. Very, very good point. Might be. Probably more quirky, though, because I know they're very different films, but you at least that was two hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, how are we doing today? Well, I'm okay. How are you? Not too bad. So the, the pathway to this was essentially, it's not like we switched out. One of the big hitters. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of a respectful way to say it. We were essentially going to do a different British gangster film. And then uh, certain films in this, as you'll grasp by the way we've spoken about them, are selected to go in. We spoke about switching it up about a fortnight ago. Mm, Here we yeah. are. Um, Rise of the Foot Soldier 3. Ne- I'd seen <laughs> neither of these films before. <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. I almost like, it's like half a jingle here. We do have some news of the week, so I'll ask your opinion on this just to kick us off. So Knives Out 2 had a very successful limited release in cinemas last week. Yeah. Is this the equivalent of the 3 p.m. blackout debate? Like, does a Netflix release ultimately put people off going to the cinema or vice versa? What would your take be? So it's going to do one of two things. It basically splits people, doesn't it? Those who really want to see it in the cinema, which... For a film like that, I'm sure people do are gonna make sure they go and watch it in that week. So you you increase you increase your attendance there. So there are people who've like there's films, you must have done it. Really, really want to go and watch that in the cinema, and then next thing you know, it's six weeks later and it's runs runs ended. Yeah. And it, it happens whereas you 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 know it's only there for a week. It puts a timestamp on when you can do this thing. So it probably increases it there. And then obviously you've got the you've got the back end with the Netflix deal. Um I mean, numbers coming out of the cinemas by all accounts are very, very good. Like you say, very successful limited run. Do I think someone else is going to try this? Yes, I do. I hope it doesn't become a new norm, and I really hope we go back to films being released in cinemas. Yeah. Um, but we're not the we're not the tastemakers, nor the movers and shakers. So I don't we I don't don't think we'll have a lot to do with it. The but um, bug me for this was. It wasn't even a limited release in terms of uh, it was only out for a week. Like it was a limited cinema release. Yeah. So yeah, this they... didn't even release in Gloucester, which no. is the easiest cinema for me to get to. I mean, Chatham's not difficult, but if it wasn't a World Cup, we could have been there. Yeah. But um, it just seemed it seemed a strange one. Yeah. Well, I think it's just trying to capture. It's just it's it's almost just a marketing campaign, isn't it? It's just trying to capture as much of that audience as you can in a short period of time. Um, so. Um, I don't know if they were hedging their bets, but 
this is done very well because Netflix, all of these streaming services are in debt. Like Netflix is is the most well off of all of them. Mm, still heavy debt though. Yeah, and it's like you know when you saw it with, I guess DAZN would be a good example when they broke into boxing. It's like we or we always use QPR as the example on here. Sometimes mm. you can see the money being chucked, and it's like we already know this isn't going to work. And Netflix, it had to come to a halt at some point. It just seemed like this was a weird one. Yeah. To do that for, and particularly for me, was, and I've not seen anything yet, and fingers crossed it stays that way. Spoilers are never a good thing. I would think for something like this, you almost want everyone to rush to see it because they can't have it spoiled for them. Yeah, I get it. On a detective film. So it's an interesting one. It'd be like a... No, no, I was going to use a Marvel analogy and we've spoken about them enough and it definitely isn't like a Marvel film. So I don't know where I was going there, but it's just the wrong type of film, a film where it's so eagerly anticipated or a film that literally the whole thing can be ruined by the end of it. Yeah. We've spoken I'd, love to know, I'd love to know as well with these big Netflix production, how they gauge whether or not it's a success. Like I understand that, but oh, it's the most viewed thing. But say say if it's the most viewed thing, but everyone always already pays their subscription. Do you reckon new subscribers, maybe? I think it it must be right. Because like if you already pay... Like, when it's released on Netflix, I will watch it. But Netflix, I, regardless, if, if this wasn't being released, I would still hold a Netflix subscription. So they... What, yeah. Even they in terms gained, of, like, trends and things, I guess they must... Yeah. I, I, I'm not, I, there's obviously a, a method to it, and maybe I just... I, I've never really looked at it. I just don't... I've never understood. It's only as we talk about it now, the thought popped into my excel oh yeah it's a roaring success but with box office numbers coming back in you spent 120 million pound you recovered 260 million pound just for example we made x but with netflix i want i just i'd be interested to know how you gauge it because they would this will be oh yeah it's really successful but how much more how much more yeah, money I don't, I don't really get it but no i just i'd love to know like how they so were case, maybe the cinema is like is like the bonus well i, I think that's a big part of it yeah. Was if there were basically what I assume what they're trying to do is take back, recover the box office what they spent on the film there, and then you've got you've got what you've got. But it's just yeah because like you and I have been I know it's really anecdotal because it's only two examples of I don't know how many people hold a Netflix membership. I assume it's a lot. Yeah. Um, it's like they're not. Where are they making that extra money out of me? Even with some of it, I think. When they first started, so everyone had Netflix, and then mm. Amazon Prime came along, and it was like, okay, that's an extra fiver. We'll add that on. Okay, we'll have both. And then now TV came around. It was like, okay, it's another fiver. I may have to choose between having like two of these rather than three. And yeah. you're at the point now with the struggles that everyone's having. It's for a lot of people, and I, just from speaking to people of different ages, like, okay, we're going to pick one of them. Yeah. And maybe it's just a case of, you need to like you get the like PlayStation exclusives, don't you? Just your yeah. little incentive to say, don't you be even thinking about going over there? Yeah, and just something like that, maybe. I'm not too sure. Very possible, mate. Yeah, it is a thing. The world's getting to, it's going to get the world's being squeezed, and it will be yeah. for a while. And it's going to be a case of do I want to keep paying for this? Now I've got a game for you to play after the uh, say success the last couple of weeks doing similar. I've got six questions for you. Each one are two films, and you have to predict which one has the higher IMDb rating. Okay. 
all of them are reasonably close. There's none that are the exact same, so I'm not catching you out. I wasn't even intending to catch you out like the uh, training day mm-hmm. uh, one we did for American Gangster. So to start us off with, Die Another Day or Scary Movie? A scary Movie. Die Another Day is 6.1. Scary Movie is 6.2. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, <laughs> yeah, or Spider Man Three. Uh, Spider Man Three. Spider Man Three is six point three. The Phantom Menace is six point five. Fucking hell! The way people talk about it, I was yeah. expecting you to be like <laughs> five point nine. Right. Two films you like: Spectre mm, or National Treasure. Uh, Spectre. Spectre is a 6.8. National Treasure is a 6.9. No, I'm not mad about it. My guy, Nick Cage. The Scorpion King <laughs> or Fantastic yeah. Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Rise of the Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer is a 5.6. <laughs> the Scorpion King is a 5.5. Yeah. Do you know, I really like the Scorpion King when it came out. <laughs> It came out in 03, I think. Yeah, so we, yeah. would, we would have been, what, eight or nine? Yeah. Like, that was right. I was up my alley. And I, as we said when we did it on the pod, we both really liked the mummy. And the rock at the time as well. <laughs> yeah, very good point. Uh, good point. Kill Bill Volume 2 Ooh, yeah. or Titanic? Titanic? Titanic has a 7.9. Kill Bill 2 has an 8.0. I mean, I prefer Kill Bill too, but you'd think, you know, yep. the highest grossing film and all that, all that nonsense. And then finally, two films we've done on the podcast: The Matrix, <coughs> yeah, or Gladiator. Hmm. I'm going to say Gladiator. The Matrix is an eight point seven, if you can believe that. No, but I was I was expecting it to be eight plus. Gladiator eight point five. Hmm. Feels like the right answer, though. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. So you saying you think Gladiator should be rated higher? No, no. I, I think it should, yes. But then when you think, when you stop and think about it, like when you ask me these questions, I try and look at what do I think is going to be the answer rather than what I think it yeah. should be. The biggest. So I, it makes sense that the Matrix is higher. The biggest change for me as I look through these is it used to be and it's probably is going to relate well to one of the films we're about to do it used to be that if you were in a certain bracket and i would put sci-fi and fantasy within that there was a ceiling to what you could achieve mm. so it was only really going to be more like goodwill hunting and shawshank and these kind of things yeah more than like the best star wars film was getting like a 7 maybe yeah because even the ones that are rated higher, like uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey or whatever, mm-hmm. they're a slightly different tone for yeah. the sci-fi nature. I know what you mean. So it's interesting going through, and you look now, and you're getting like Marvel films in the top 50 rated films of all time on IMDb. So it's very interesting how things have changed. Uh, it is, yeah. Um, I think... Maybe it's the people rating them. Is a... it's gonna be, That's going to be part of it. But also, I think the other thing is... The one thing Marvel has done, how do I say this? There's far less derision 
now yeah, for being yeah. a, for, for being for like for liking those things. They never should have been. You know what I mean? You like what you like, you're not hurting anyone. But there's far less like if you were a, like you see it in all like the old TV show we watched as a kid, the like the kids were getting like the kids getting bullied, getting picked on because they loved it. In a Star Wars t shirt and yeah. yeah, and that that wasn't that wasn't a million miles removed from no, the truth no, no. when we were when we, we were kids. It was what Probably it was. Even worse, like there was people you would see in offices mm. and they were like the one that liked Star Wars or the one yeah. that liked. Yeah. And now it's like you would yeah. see in if you would put if you if we would narrow down what would be like the popular kids in school or whatever, like yeah. if you're America, you're prom king or prom queen, they're gonna have a conversation about the latest Marvel film. Yeah, and so I mean, like, you have to give. I, I like even I on my fortune, I do, and like I say, if you do like the films, you, you know that. Um, it like that's one thing it's done. I think mean, it's far less original now. If you say, oh, "I do like it," and I think the other thing is the big, the big, the recent Star Wars films. I don't know what you think about them. Honestly, not overly interested. No, no. Um, but I think that did the same as well. I think that that helped, and it built it built on. I mean, basically, it's just well because there's money there. It's moved in, <laughs> yeah. moved into the mainstream, isn't it? Like, and we keep and we keep saying it keeps getting forced out because it keeps making money. Exactly. So, from a couple of IMDb IMDb top 100 films to another, let's get into Rise of the Foot Soldier three, the Pat Tate story. <laughs> Everyone knows that story ends, but no one knows where it began. Remember me? It's been a while. Pat the fucking hard man. He looks like he's off for a game of tennis. <laughs> you are very ambitious, and that'll get you killed quicker than anything. It's all going to end in tears. This is how we do things in Essex. The sex isn't too much of a worry. It's the violence that's the problem. You're fucking joking, me, ain't you? I told you to wait, you can't. I'm gonna make you famous. Fucking me. Yeah. Fucking out, Keenan. I can't believe we've done this this week. <laughs> that, Why? <laughs> no, just um, I was trying to explain to TK the film when I said we were doing this. Yeah. And well, I'm in the critic reviews. We'll uh, go through them now. Because they're going to they're going to be shocking. They're going to be shocking. Right? They're going to be absolutely awful. But what was the one thing I said to you to do? Do not approach this thinking this is going to be a good film. We're going to speak about that in just a second. So, okay. um, the synopsis: Notorious gangster Pat Tate rises through the ranks of Essex's criminal underworld, a prequel to the Rise of the Foot Soldier franchise. So, in what should tell you a lot about the film. I struggled to find five reviews from the usual outlets that I would use. So I'm going down more to uh, your blogs and things to see what was said about this. No, 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 no Roger Ebert review, no? No, unfortunately (laughs) not. But like we said with some of these before, far more people liked them than would have you believe. And at the time, this was the biggest ever release for Sky's premium video on demand service. That shocks me a little bit, but fair enough. <laughs> now, from what I gather, the second film didn't leave people very enthused as they finished it. They're shy. And so they must have thought, we've started something, we've got to finish, or 
they'd promised the money out already, but they plod on with the third one. I'll ask you for the sake of it. Keenan, what do you think the critics thought of this? Yeah, I imagine they absolutely pumped it. <laughs> this notorious British gangster tale may have been milked more often than a herd of prize Guernseys, but the shooting to death of three top drug dealers down a remote country lane still attracts filmmakers like Cowpat Does Flies. Mm. Derivative and tedious, unless you really like lots of macho twerps beating and cutting each other, endless shots of drugs being snorted and swallowed and swearing unimaginatively with every other word. Yep. (laughs) You already know if this is for you or not, as it offers up no surprises. But if testosterone fueled violence with very little in the way of plot, character development or dramatic range, and yet still managing to be extremely watchable scores highly for you, then Rise of the Foot Soldier 3, the Pat Tate story will be a joy to sit through. That's literally it. That's the, that's, that's, that's the podcast on the film. We can move on to Leon now if you want. That was from The Guardian. Um, that's all it is. Well, remember how disappointed you were with the lack of violence in Rise of the Foot Soldier Part 2? Well, worry not, my friend, because this next sequel is, if anything, more violent than the -the over-the-top original. Heads and faces are smashed with hammers and fire extinguishers, skewered with broken bottles, and forced through plate glass windows. I lost count of the bludgeonings and stabbings in this movie. And finally, if you're going into The Rise of the Foot Soldier 3 looking for high-end movie making, then you're looking in the wrong place. And for all its unintentional hilarity and bullish sense of self-awareness, there's something endearing about how much the filmmakers are prepared to milk out of the retinue murders in the name of entertainment. I take it back. Sorry, that's that. That's that's it. Like I said, Joe, if you go into this, if you because you you when you catch out, oh, I don't like them. I don't like them. I hate them. I hate them. They're shocking. They're shocking. So, uh, and you always make jokes to uh, mutual acquaintances that it's weird that I really like them and that I'm weird for it. But my point to you has always been, if you go in thinking this is going to be a great bit of cinema, obviously you're going to hate it. If you sit and watch it knowing this is going to be shit, but I know what I'm going to like about it. And it then just becomes very funny and really easy, easily watchable. And that's what I enjoy. It's, but it, it, this is actually, <clears throat> if they were to bang this out as a comedy, but well, yeah, fair crap. But it is the fact that it's un- it's not meant to be funny all the time. Sometimes it obviously is trying for it, but sometimes it's just funny. No, I do agree. And I would have said when we came to the end of this that these are the kind of films, and it's not new for what we've done, that you grade on a curve. Because, as you've said, this is what it's supposed to be. And I yeah. don't disagree with that at all. My comments on it have been more, not that I said... I would completely dislike them. In fact, you, did. you actually probably, did at one point say not to me. I said it's. I said it's. It's strange the way they've spoken about when I hear the way you turn your nose up at some other films. When I'm going to be honest with you, Piranha is exactly the same boat as this film. It's not. It is. It's not. And you've not seen it. So no, I've seen both. It, it's not though. It's just not going to be. If you went to Blockbusters, they would be on the same shelf. Yeah, the bottom shelf. <laughs> but so would a million other things. So that doesn't put them in the same boat. They're in the same league of films. If if you, we read out the reviews, we'd be talking the same way about Piranha. In fact, 
the, maybe the dialogue will be a bit smoother in Piranha. But excuse me, and Kelly Brooks, I can see some differences, but that was my case that to have such a stance on one than the other. And my big thing has been, I just didn't understand why we needed, when I saw that we were on five. Origins, yeah. It was like, what, what are we doing here? Just once again, it's like, this it, is a fucking ridiculous analogy, but it's like Fast and Furious. Do we no, need it's ten? not. No, it's Do not. we need 10? No, we don't. But are people going to watch it? Are the people who enjoy it going to enjoy it? Yes. All right, cool. With That's Fast and Furious, they have gone bigger and bolder with each one. With this one, I mean, there are a market of people out there. I'm not one of them. But when Fast and Furious 9 finishes, are asking for Fast and Furious 10. I I couldn't believe it when I first saw there was a Rise of the Foot Soldier sequel. And I, I've got onto this in a negative uh, stats from the get-go, which isn't this the is place what I knew I'm going to be. No, that's not. If you can see the notes, if you saw the notes I had in front of me, that's not the stats I've taken here. Um, in fact, my biggest criticism of this is actually that it's not shit enough. Yes, I'm fucking it, mate. Craig Fabras is actually just really good in it, and this is why he's made money because basically they worked out. They banged him in the first one, did well. He ended in the second one so much, and they, they basically were just like, he, he, he's our money maker here, and they've made three, four, and five essentially about him so they, oh. they calling it rise of the foot soldier is just to keep it in name only because it's carl is no longer just no longer involved this they is the only one he's not in he at least makes a cameo in the others yeah, yeah. but he has cameos and he, he basically it just becomes actually yeah this is the character people care about because the bloke playing him is just fucking hilarious it's i think so, he's simultaneously so both the best and worst part of this film He's he's the best part of this film by a country mile, mate. It's so funny. I I've actually seen him act in some things. I think decent, like like genuinely not in other things. Where I think actually got a bit. But has he been typecast as any form of British British villain? Yeah, absolutely. Does he do that role well? Once again, absolutely. Hey, it, it, like I say, this film is just exactly what it is. It, it is. What it is, and once you once you <laughs> accept that, I just it's hard not it's hard not to enjoy it. I should have sat to the side like you did with um, Shaun of the Dead and just put my brother on for this episode. He texted me last night. I just love the actor who plays Pat. Seen a few things he's in. I think he's genuinely a very good actor. Thank you, I'm, I'm not as convinced. I think. What else have you seen him in though, other than Rise of the First Soldier? I one? mean, I'm basing it entirely off this, the, the, his oh, acting okay. skills. I now they don't have the Irishman's budget, so I think we can put that to the side. They've done this thing where they're doing flashback scenes, mm-hmm. and they kind of think if we blur his face a little bit, <laughs> then he's going to look younger. It's low budget. What do you want from them? <laughs> Maybe just don't go flashback. But it's part of the story. Just keep moving forward. I when I saw the end of the film, and I know that the the character obviously dies. When I saw him on the table, I thought you were going to see him move. Genuinely, mm. I thought you were going to see him move, and that was going to be how we get to Rise of the Foot Soldier Five. Because I still I'm unsure how we got there. Basically, it's just it's just more origin stories. 
Hey, fucking men. Hey, fuck. Because they do the blonde bloke, don't they? I forget his name. Tony Sucker, yeah. Because yeah. he plays him in Bonded by Blood as well. The same character, doesn't he? Yep. Some living. He's just, he's, he's, just, out of, he's out of world. Mate, he's an acting teacher. He's just bloody. Swear to God. There's a lot when you see on Hell's Kitchen, some of them pop up. There's... He's at his best. The, the violence scenes in here, we're going to go through some scenes in the film. The violence... Is where the film excels. Um, yeah, the scene. There's a scene early on, isn't there, where they're basically scrapping in the corridor of, like of a, a hotel of flats, a hotel. Yeah. There, there we go. And yeah. Okay, this is what I signed up for. That um, is actually as for if you stop with your negativity for a moment. It's not negative. I'm telling you, you can't. You have to address some of these things. I know. I try and do it. I'm being negative. But I must I'm not being negative. You've actually not heard a negative thing from me yet, other than I don't think he's a good actor. Which is <laughs> negative. <laughs> quite it's quite quite bad when we're talking about uh, actor in a film. But okay. We've heard worse. We I mean I, th- I think you were probably worse with um uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Mm, I'd argue that, but okay. It's weird. Um this. but but yeah, that like actually what I was gonna say to you is objectively if you stop and take this out. As just a, like a, an actual fight scene, I think that's really quite well choreographed and quite well shot. So yeah, I mean, the the review. I think I text my brother. I don't know if I text you. My my main criticism is that I don't think this is actually shit enough that it falls into the shit film but funny bracket. And I don't. It's obviously as we've addressed. It was never going to be whatever gangster film you want to do. Yeah, and so not shit enough. Weirdly, sounds like a criticism in in that yeah it does, context. Yeah. It was when I say that I'm thinking like Batman and Robin, the extreme example where it's so hilariously bad. Yeah, this I thought there were some scenes that were like that, and we'll go through because there's some things that the director definitely just had a little scrapbook, and that would be quite fun to do. Like, I don't know how we got to the point where there's a bloke being crucified. I don't know how we got here. Yeah. I Like, yes, you, you are right. But, again, and maybe it probably shows more of me as an individual, but that's funny. Like, not the actual act of crucifixion, but, like, that it just randomly <laughs> pops up in this film. It's just like, what the fuck? That's a bit, like, that's the stuff I'm talking about. So, I... And I don't know how much you know. In terms of realism, there isn't an ounce of this that has any truth to us to it at all. And I thought we were going in like some films we've done recently, where it's kind of like, you know, some of this is true. No. One is based on a true story. Two is loosely based on a true story. Three is... We've cha- we've changed. <laughs> it, it used to do it. It'd be like, oh, we've changed. We've changed the names, dates. They've basically just written fictionalized <laughs> stories for what? three, four, and then five. They've tried to claim is back to because it's about a bloke who's still alive. But for three and four, when it's about these three blokes who are dead, they can pretty much do whatever they want. I can tell you the point that I realised. It's when Pat Tate has his court date. Yeah. And we hear, I'm not very good with the characters' names in this, so you'll have to forgive me, but essentially the voice of reason in his group. Yeah. Um, 
and sure. he's been beaten up. And then the next, oh, thing, yeah. the next thing is he's cracked a fire extinguisher over someone's head in the courtroom. And, he's and then he's on a bike and he's away. And he's got the forgetaway vehicle yeah. fresh outside waiting for him. And he's just he cruising quick, away. He has a quick stop at the hospital, see if my man's all right, which obviously ain't going to happen because it, it, it just, it, it, you wouldn't fly. It wouldn't be, it ain't going to happen. And then he's like, yeah, I'm off now. I'll see you in a bit. I'm going to Spain. He's already told his lawyer at this point, I'll tell you what I experience of you. You get me off here. I'll take you around the corner, love. You'll be getting a slice of me. And she, after hating it for all of 30 seconds, is said, oh, you know, maybe that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You've charmed me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, again, it's just funny, mate. I can't, like, no, that's this... all you're going to get from it. it. Like, there are some very good scenes. That they're, seen in the, they're seen in the club, in the club where they're, they're, like, again, they're fighting and he's on the floor and he just does him. Oh, it makes me chuckle. Um, geez, it's like it? he was on his deathbed. Everyone else in the Range Rover had died. Mm. And he said, get a pen and let me just tell you these stories quick from my perspective. Yeah. Like you, you've heard the stories of the Navy team, that the SEALs team that killed Bin Laden. Mm-hmm. And all of them had their own, like, you know, I had a peek around the corner, I kicked down the door, and then I yeah. saw six blokes in front of me. <laughs> or if someone's telling a story of a fight that yeah. no one else was there to see. And it's phenomenal in that sense. It's just a tall tale, man. It's just, and there's no, like you say, yeah, yeah, there is, it's based other than three people's names. I, I maybe there's a couple more, but as far as I know, apart from three people's names, it's just a fantasy. Yeah. So you've got a number of things going on in this. Uh, I think before they even get to Marbella, where they're trying to take over the town, aren't they? And they're yeah. going through, and there's a disagreement where someone comes to take over the club, and they've got mm-hmm. to go and see the gypsies to straighten things out. Yeah. His name's Paddy, isn't it? What's his surname? The because uh, he's oh. actually. Dieter. Yeah, that's what I had down, and then I was questioning myself. He, I can tell you, and hopefully this doesn't uh, get anyone at my doorstep, he won't have charged a lot for this, and I can tell you how I know. Do you remember, maybe you wouldn't know, when Cameo first became a thing? And I don't know what it is, but. So the ones you would see around Christmas time there'd suddenly be about 18 people whose mates all just happened to have a message from Jay from in between us. Yeah. I was always looking on there. Joe, your man's a millionaire off that boil of hands. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He's popping up everywhere. Uh, by, by all crack, he's, he's, made, he's made a million off it. Off just that, let alone anything else. It basically, that just rolls round. So just... I, I would look on there and I would look for someone cheap enough when I was redoing the intro for the Monday podcast to say, Hello, my name is XYZ, and you're listening to the Spitballing Pod. Yeah. And I would, I never did it, and I would look through these and look through these, and then it would get to the point, and it's like, do I want to pay 65 quid for Dietmar Haman to say this? or No, I think it's only worthwhile if you're going big with a lot of them. So, Paddy Doherty was charging just under a fiver. 
And so okay. I imagine when they came calling here, yeah. he was bang up for it. I don't know how, because it's reminiscent of a scene in Snatch or Lot Snatch, it'll be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Where they're walking off the site and they're saying all of the other derogatory yep. terms for travellers. Yeah. I thought that was going to cause a kerfuffle at the end of this and they all just kind of let him slide because they say, you know, he's shaking your hand now, so. Yeah. I mean, you man from Football Factory with his uh, long hair in this. Uh, Ralph Mank... No, no. Yeah, Ralph Mancunian? Yeah, because he... No, the last no, I no, saw... No. That's my Go on. The last I saw, he was kind of going through a phase of, you know, I regret doing the films like that. It glorifies X, Y, Z. At least one of them from Football Factory was doing that. Mm. The fact it was a fictional character... Did he need to have this long hair in this film? Well, no, he's based on a he's based on a real bloke, no? Okay, I didn't know if he was one of the... Uh, no, no. I thought the long hair was just an interesting shout that someone, someone's come up with. No, 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 he's based on, he's based on one of the blokes, Craig Rolfe, no? Okay. Um, the Marbella clips, what are your <laughs> thoughts on them as if we were to break the film down into chapters? What are your thoughts on that? chapter of the film it contains my favourite quote okay because I was about to ask if you were ordering them best to worst uh, it, like it, I actually think it's, there are parts of it where it is at its worst like the, is it Nick Naverne he's sounds everywhere sounds right he's, he's everywhere the bits with him in it I know it's I was going to say central to the story but that seems like giving it credence but <laughs> it only central to the film I'm not overly enamoured with that until the end when it go when it goes. But like the bits with the videotape and so on, I'm not. Don't they don't mean a lot to me. The bits in Essex are fun. The fight scenes are the fight scenes and yeah. the fight scenes are mint. The bit in prison's quite quite good. Um, and it's nice. Not that it means anything to you, but it's nice that they obviously have callbacks to the first film and so on and so forth. So, simply seeing the final scene made me want to go back and watch the first one, mm. which I may do tonight, to be fair. Because as I went on the record, I think I said on that last week, I i mean, I said to you since, if anyone has any doubts, there are at least five films we've already done in this bracket that I dislike more than this film. So I don't have this rated in the bottom, like three tiers of what I've rated on my letterboxed. All of these things, if there's for any avoidance of doubt. Um, so yeah, the first film, I did like it. Um, I went for a phase of basically watching any hooligan film that you could get your hands on. If I was to predict your favourite line, I may butcher it. Is it when he chucks him back in the pool and tells him to do some lengths? No. It's when, it is, when he says, what, what are we doing tonight? And he starts slamming money down, shouting one prostitute, two prostitute, three <laughs> prostitute. And he's like, I can't, can't handle all that. And he goes, I'm, talk- I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me, you can't. Then for a piece to throw what I can only imagine is about six six to six to eight grams of coke straight in his face and goes, I love you, but you're doing my nothing. I'll liven yourself up. And then he then not upon doing like literally the Alps of cocaine, he then just bangs he just bangs a pill in. We had the To the point that one of the lads or at least one of the lads, the one prostitute thing is still something that is shouted every now and again. <laughs> when we did Black Clansman we were saying, 
what's it like when you go home and you say you've got a part in your Hollywood film and it's like, what you play? Well, I've been part cast as a racist skinhead we're saying how many times can you do that before you start mm, <laughs> might need to avoid this yeah some of the birds in this film are they telling people they've been cast in this latest film or are they just if they see if they see me they see me i don't know I don't know is the it, it, i'm not saying it's right i ain't saying it's wrong but when you think about what this film is were you ever expecting a part for a strong female lead no, no, it's literally, I'm, I'm referring to these tiny, tiny clips where yeah. you are just in there to be a hooker. I mean, there's there's one girl in this that's been cast purely for, must just be because she has the biggest tits on TV. Like, I've got a big head and each one is like twice the size of my head. <laughs> and he walks in like, this is what I've been waiting my entire time. Yeah. to get out of prison for. And in fact, when he leaves that party and he says, pick me up in the morning, I'm going to take this bird back now. I assumed it was going to be her. Mm. Unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I Work's work, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the far be it for me to question any of the plot in this film there's always some bits where i think you could have just you didn't need to have this and yes it's when they shove him in the back of the car to take him to what is it, they drop him in gibraltar is it and then he gets arrested yeah. in there yeah everything they've done and everything those characters have shown to do is you just they why would they bother with the hassle why would they not just yeah. you there and then yes and he's stuck it on he's stuck it on the big dog there right before. And he's going, yeah. you know, we won't kill you now, but we'll shove in the back of a car and get you arrested after. Yes. In I was gonna say in reality, but it, you would imagine from everything you've seen thus far, someone just shoots him and they're like, All right, that's the end of that one. Yeah, exactly. Um after he's been going around uh, taking out all his guys. Yeah, I'm threatening to kill him as well, about three times in the space of forty eight seconds. Yeah, so rush oh. call. Yeah, it's very in every once every sixteen seconds. You're like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. I, I'm going to cave your skull in. If I thought the Marbella scenes were the weakest, then uh, is the the woman in that is she a big part of the second film? Uh, I can't remember. There was a there was a thing with her that I felt like we were supposed to know her or in her situation already. I can't remember. The second one actually just eludes me. <laughs> um, yeah, if I said the mob air scenes were the weakest, I actually think the prison scenes are the strongest part yeah, of the entire okay. film. No, I get that. I think every part of this is great. No issue with any amount of cheese in this. Yeah. Casting a bloke who's what, he's a drummer from something, is he not? You are. The guy that plays Mad Dog, which... No. He's the second best mad dog we've had in this bracket on yeah. the pod. Um, he's, he's a drummer in some British band. Okay. I think his name's Sean something. But effectively, I think they were getting some faces in here, making sure this one, uh, any little bit of publicity. And I saw a couple of articles that were being round about the guy. Okay. Yeah, every part of this is great. From the cheesy uh, bits in the gym, where he's randomly saving your man from yeah. from getting throttled on the bench. Yeah. 
and then a gym just seems like the perfect place for any kind of prison fight in films. Yep. Quite amazed we didn't see someone's head smashed with a set of weights. Just going like to say that. Just going to say that, yeah. It feels like perfect for it, doesn't it? I was actually going to say it's always exciting to see someone get it with a weight as well. What's the one I I said to you before? Uh, the Vince Vaughn one. Brawling uh, Bra- Yeah. So there's a scene. There's a load of prison scenes in this where it's mm-hmm. just. Have you seen it? No. Okay, so there's a load of scenes in this where it just keeps deteriorating. It's almost like a video game. You mm. kind of clear the level and you go down to this worst prison and then the worst prison and then you're in like the dungeon beneath the prison and then you're in the, this is yeah. the place no one's ever been before. And you have a guy in there who has his head smashed between two weights. So that's the direction I thought we were going, but yeah, great scene. And then it in, introduces one of the like 15 ex-EastEnders or Coronation Street cast members. Mm-hmm. He's in the first one as well. Yeah, Nicky so Phil. that's where so actually I the said... the who ended up going to jail for it, wasn't he? Yeah, so that's where I said when I saw the final mm. scene, it made me want to go back and watch it. Yeah. You know, the most money that any of those have made in films, and maybe there's going to be someone here that you're going to tell me, but at least the trivia I saw... Your man from EastEnders and uh, Craig Fairbrass mm-hmm. doing the voice for Call of Duty. Okay. Fair. They do like three games each. The guy, uh, Mickey is, isn't it? Yeah. He's uh, your man in COD 4. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, you're going to have to carry me, mate. Soap. Yeah. I'm almost certain that's him, or if not, he's someone on that level because I was looking mm-hmm. it up yesterday. Yeah, and then the two of them, they've just been doing Call of Duty games for the last however many years. Gary Oldman did one. And we'll get on to him uh, shortly. That's what I mean. Um, I was just, like, just saying, they, they they have put, if you go back and have a look over there, it's not like all of them, but if you go back and have a look over their list, there's some big, there are some big people in there. Probably a wrong thing to say, but if you remember, they market one of the games on the fact that Kevin Spacey was in it. Yep, Messi's in the latest one. <laughs> yeah, so I've seen. Conor McGregor in the last one, wasn't it? You'll know me, Call of Duty. I basically buy it just to uh, play the campaign, and that's me done. So now mm. I have the digital edition. It's not quite the same as being able to trade it in after. Yeah, I feel you. Um, yeah, some of these, some of these other prison scenes. Uh, the eventual showdown with Mad Dog mm-hmm. and his guys. What have we got? A pull cue being put through someone's face. Yeah. Uh, the light casings. I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh your your man thrown over the top of the balcony who literally bends in half. In half. Yeah. <laughs> so they put that in the trailer and I mean the trailer I played yeah. for this is what would be down as an R rated trailer. Yeah. I think you get people in with a trailer like that. You can laugh while watching the film. Mm. They cut the trailer right before you see him bend in half. So I think they knew what happened yeah. with that. <laughs> it was like, look, they'll enjoy it when the film's on. We don't need to show that to kind of the wider audience. No, I get that. That doesn't get you your swing voters. No. No, because it looks awful. Hilarious, though, because my brother had yeah. mentioned it, and so I was waiting for the build-up, and I saw him getting ready. I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, but again... Like budget is what budget is. We've said that with other films as well. 
Yeah, and in this type of film, I would rather you go with the dodgy effects. Don't spend all of your budget on like one yeah. piece of effect. Yeah, because there's other examples. There's a film uh, in time, Justin Timberlake, where they tried making him a movie star. I really liked it. So there's a, there's a scene in that, isn't there, where a car comes off a cliff. Yeah, and you can quite clearly see it's like a model car. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like if they're doing it in a Justin Timberlake film. Yeah, I think yeah. you can be excused in Rise of the Foot Soldier three. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, actually, you're really liking it in, in time. Saw it in the cinema. It spun me this when some were just calling it uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier, the last part or the last something. Mm, don't know. And so that confused me that I was I checking the right film. I had to go by the date in the mm. end just to make sure. Yeah. The showdown with the chief is as good as any scene in this way. He's given in the big rundown. Look, three people saw you. Yeah. And he gives, and he gives him the chat about being a grass in prison. Yeah. Do you expect me to believe three people broke that code? Yeah. All directors good. love that shot. It must be when they're taught in director school. The shot outside of the door with the person walking towards it with the smirk on their face, with the angry faces in behind them. Yeah. Fair. They love that. Yeah, Mad Dog and his goons enjoyed all of them being uh, run through. You've got this phase of we've got this uh, kind of moral question in the film where we're supposed to be rooting in short for him to stop taking drugs. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I'm clear now. I'm thinking clearly. This is the best thing about being here. I just pump iron. Yeah, and I'm clean of drugs, and then the next hour of the film is him just smashing <laughs> a load, load of kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what it is. And like, then him taking his missus to a little knockoff cell. Yeah, I'm being amazed that she isn't too pleased with that. Yeah, it, it is shocking that he's like, oh, he didn't enjoy that. Oh, right, yeah, sound. When uh, when she tells him that she had a bloke, mm. well, yeah, we knew. Obviously, what we're going to do? Tell you in there, yeah. I'm mean, like, oh, brave girl. That's a good thing you mate. <laughs> oh, brave him telling you. He might have knocked you off if uh, if he knew. Yeah. I question. I questioned with that, and you can tell me if I'm going crazy. I thought the fact that she had the thing outside the prison and him on the inside they were going to build more on the fact that it may not be his kid. And I thought that's what we were going down when she's kind of cursing. Oh no, please don't be pregnant. I think it was more because she thought it was his child. And like <clears throat> from everything you've seen thus far in the film, do you want, is that who you want as your baby daddy? <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> it just, I mean? it seems strange. Cause usually when you see the yeah, yeah. kind of side by side, that's the reasoning for it. And I thought he's going to come out and go, oh, it looks nothing like me. Yeah. I, I get it. Could have gone that way. Yeah, could have quite conceivably, but... He didn't live long enough. Mm. And she, she gets charmed easily enough. Um, he comes out. Basically, he says, you're a disgrace. He's just spent a night doing what God knows what, as she says. And then he says, can I hold the baby then? And she goes, oh, I guess I'll stick the kettle on. Mm. And she's charmed. Yeah. Slash fit, probably fearful for her life, to be honest. Yeah, her bloke. Again, 
you think that ends only one way? Yeah, they decide. Yeah, it's Andy, isn't it? The guy who gets put in hospital and he's the voice of reason kind of thing. The switch up from him of, you know, leave him be. <laughs> what yeah. do we need to do to this guy to, you've made a very big mistake. Yeah. We've all yeah. copped off with girls before, but you've copped off with the psychopaths. Yeah. You know what I'm going to have to do? It's like he was enjoying that a bit too much. He was mm. fighting some urges before. Yeah. Yeah. Gets a lot of you again. You think that just ends one way and it's basically them just being like, yeah, he's dead. And you see, you see <laughs> in the body or something. Yeah. And then, I mean, the part we've already mentioned, you got Tony giggling away as he's trying to have a chat with him as he's uh, being got hmm. the town on. You have a man has got his face in a snowy box. It's carnage going on. I yeah. couldn't believe, so I went back and watched the last 40 minutes of this. I mean, it's only like an hour and a half long film. So I watched yeah. basically the second half of it again on my lunch break. I couldn't believe... Also a plus with these. Was that sorry? Also a plus with these. Just 90 minute run time. Nice yeah. and simple. Yeah, so I went back and watched the end of it. I couldn't believe how much is in that last... Like when I went back and he was still in prison, I thought mm-hmm. I'm getting through a lot here. Yeah. What do you think of the ending? Uh, what, the turn back to this? No, before, like, if I was to have any actual criticism, and yeah. we've done things in here on the record, I, I don't have any, it's probably slightly higher up my expectations than I imagined it to be. Mm. If I was going to make a, a serious criticism, I don't know if they ran out of budget at the end, I don't know if they kind of they had their fun almost and it was like how do we wrap this up because ultimately you can't have a big come down to get into what they're going to get into like they're on the way up they have to be on the way up at the end of the film yeah I didn't anticipate them kind of just cuddling on the beach going you know we're going to take over we've had South End we're going to take over Essex now we're all on the way up. It, it seemed to fizzle out very quickly. We were we were gearing up for this big showdown with the Yardies. Hmm. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Um, to of, you know, you need to, you're yeah. drawing too much heat. Yeah. And then we just didn't really get to where I thought we were going to get to. I thought he was going to kind of overcome the big bad that you mm. would traditionally do. Yeah, I get you. The final boss fight. Yeah, because usually there's the point in a prequel film where it's, this is the point that he became the person you're going to see. Yeah. And it's not like we're going from Star Wars Episode One where you've got this sweet innocent kid and he has to turn into the most evil guy in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. This was a guy who's a bastard and he has to become a slightly bigger bastard by the end of it. Yeah. And I thought we didn't really have that switch that I was expecting us to get. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if it was a budget thing. Could well have been. If, if that's an extra four or five days shooting. Um, if that's what I, I thought they just ran out of ideas because yeah. you're going in on your man, Scotty, isn't it? Who uh, mm-hmm. I thought had a fairly reasonable hmm. reaction when someone's swinging a blade mm-hmm. at him. He's got yeah. the faster reactions. You come on a hammer that he's been. Yeah. He was the real mad dog when you if we're comparing. Yeah. Yeah. Reflexes yeah, on him. Yeah. Temple taps. Um, out of here. Yeah, very much so. Very much out of here. Um, no, I know. And then it's just, we've done it now and we'll move. I, 
So maybe it's almost. So maybe it's almost just a pause because they knew. But did they know they were going to bring back a, a fourth one? I don't think they ever did. Because it doesn't even they... need to get to that point, does it? it? Just you just need to get to Pat Tate being Pat Tate. I know, yeah, I know. I I've never like I, I've not I've never critiqued it before. No, and that was just more of a. I watched it, and that's no, part I know, of the reason I, I went back. I was like, did I miss something? No, and I'm, I'm not not saying not digging you not digging you out either. It was just a case of I just I never really thought about. it. I thought it was just so not a natural. Maybe not a natural end, but I I thought it was just almost maybe because I'd watched this after they'd made a fourth one. So I, I do have a question to end this on. Um, <laughs> I I want to know how you found yourself watching the Rise of the Foot Soldier franchise because you said some things previously that's made me think maybe you are that guy. I make it sound a big thing. I'm quite considerate about what I'm going to stick on, mainly because there's so many options out there that I'll rarely mm. just stick something on. Okay. This feels like an odd one, even if you were just going to flick something on, because it wasn't one of the big promoted ones on like the front screen of Prime or Netflix. This yeah. feels like one you had to actively go out to find yourself in with. And then after seeing the second one, what made you go to the third from what uh, I heard? This is, this, is where you, this is where you're wrong. So I watched the first one, because much like yourself, around that time, yeah. your 07s, your 05s, 06s, 07s, 08s, maybe 09, basically, I mean, basically anywhere up to now, any sort of British crime thriller, crime gangster film, I would have seen. was a teenager, and I was like, yeah. So I watched the first one, sorry, okay. Um, liked it enough, but when the second one came, I was like, I'll watch that. Saw some bits and I was like, oh, that don't sound good. So I'll give that a swear of that. Um, this came out, this came to Netflix, maybe? Maybe Amazon. Prime, Prime. Prime had all of the rights for a while. Okay, so maybe it came to Amazon. A couple of boys have watched it and they said, you ever seen the first? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you got to get on this. It's so funny. They basically sold it to me. How I tried to say it to you. It's like, it's shit, but it's so funny. It's worth watching. I'm, One, I'm, I'm assuming Rory's brother. Yeah, yeah. I thought so, yeah. Yeah. Um, he was like, yeah, get involved. I was like, right, okay. Um, then one Sunday, I had nothing else on. I was like, tell you what, bang it on. Watched about 15 minutes. So, yeah, this is for me. I've now watched it about five times. Um, Eclectic mixes that go on on your Sundays. So, I mean, look, easy watching. I knew it was going to be an easy watch. I was, was hardly expecting to have to fucking break the Enigma code to understand it. No. Um, then watched the fourth one because I was like, yeah, well, if we, if we obviously have to do that now. <laughs> then was like, finally, I was like, oh, I bite the bullet and I watched number two. Watched number two. I was like, yeah, everything I read about it is right, not not great. Then the fifth one came out and I was like, well, I've I've got to see it now. And now I'm just locked in. When they tell me they're making number six, will I watch it? Yeah. Well, I used to quiz when you said on here that you don't like Star Wars, but you'd watched all the Star Wars films, all the Harry Potters, or one of them. If you'd told me before that that you'd watched five Rise of the Foot Soldier films, I would yeah. have found it instantly more believable and understandable. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's all the Harry Potter films I've seen. I've not seen one Star Wars film. But once again, which makes me like, you, you like, I was once a child. I wasn't born. The, I wasn't <laughs> you were watching Goodfellas like, in the crib. I wasn't born into the 
going on 50-year-old man that you know me as now that is cantankerous to a point of disbelief. Like, my, what we watched them as a family and stuff. Like, it was a big thing. I went to watch three of them in the cinema when yeah. I was a kid because my mum absolutely, my mum loved it. Um, So we, we went to watch, so we watched like X amount of them in the cinema when we were kids. I think we went to watch The Prisoner of Azkaban the day it was released in the UK. Watched the fourth one in the cinema, fifth one. The only one I think I didn't watch was with my family. I went to watch the very last one with a, with, like with a group of people. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, dog. By that point, I was like, no, it's not for me. I've also read all the books. Yeah, you said that before. But the same thing, like, once you're into it, you're, once you're into it, you're into it. I've also now seen all the Lord of the Rings films. And I think they're oh, yeah. shite. The Hobbit next then. Um, I've seen them. I've not watched the TV show, so yeah, I'm no, not no. there. Super no, fun. No. You may uh, I, assume I. I saw the Hobbit. The Hobbit if came out but around this time every year. It came out about my birthday. I could yeah, took yeah. my brother. I took my brother to see the first one because uh, he was I think he was about fourteen, fifteen. He was skinny. He was really, really wanted to see it. Like he read the books, loved the book, The Hobbit, loved Lord of the Rings, and he, he was like, oh, I'd love to go and see it. I was like. I was up for a free Christmas present one year. Well, I think we went to watch that, and then went to fit, went to like when I had something to eat the next year. Same thing. He was like, "I was like, oh, it's time we do that." And then the third one, I was like, "Well, I've seen two of them now. I, will, I might as well see the end." Well, this is the the last question, and to be honest, it may be almost more of a question I should be answering, but I'll ask you. I like never back down. Been explained mm. on here for a lot of people. That would be a shit film. Yeah. To me, they feel almost in different brackets, and I wonder if you could put your finger on why. Or yeah, it's the American. It's, it's the it's the Hollywood tax because okay. one's American, one's British. Do you think it's simple as that? Do you not? Because I'm, I'm trying to wrap it around uh, in my own head. Objectively, the way you were talking about Piranha, what you're actually wrong. Never back down is the exact same. Never back down too. Well, even yeah, more I, so. Why well, I I watched it, but I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. No, no, not neither would I. But if not, the exact same bracket is this. But one's got a little bit more of a bigger budget because it's Hollywood and it's a little bit more stylized. But they are objectively in the same bracket of films. Well, let's move on to a film that I think is in the top 50 hmm. on IMDb, and that is Leon the Professional. Miss Valvoline. I've got no place to go. My family was shot down by undercover cops. When you need a professional on your side. Pull it slide on. You're indestructible. He is the best there is. the celebrated director of La Femme Nikita. The Professional. Rated R. At theaters November 18th. What a time for a cold. 12-year-old Matilda is reluctantly taken in by Leon, a professional assassin, after her family is murdered. An unusual relationship forms as she becomes his protege and learns the assassin's trade. My first time viewing this, Keenan. Your first time viewing this properly? No, I've seen this before. I saw it when I was a kid. <laughs> That's a very strange sentence to hear. Um, I know, but it, it is what it is. What do you want from me? 
what do you think the critics thought of this? That's what I want from you. Well, I imagine as you told me, it's one of the top 50 highest rated <laughs> films on IMDb, that they, they somewhat liked it. There's a surprising amount of depth, drama and affection for a film marketed primarily as a shoot 'em up thriller. Unquestionably, Leon is an absolute masterpiece with some jaw-dropping performances from Natalie Portman, Sean Reno, and a turned-up-to-eleven Gary Oldman. Leon the Professional is a wonderful character study enriched by outstanding performances, thrilling action, and a well-rounded script that gives the film an intriguing amount of depth. Having one career highlight performance in a film is a treat. Having three is just spoiling us, and the film is so solidly sold by the actors that it mostly manages to sidestep the potential queasiness in the Leon-Matilda relationship. Leon the Professional is a consummate hitman movie from the early 90s era in cinema when every young filmmaker wanted to be the next Tarantino. Luc Besson just had to be himself. What do you think? Of the reviews or of the film? The reviews. No. There is... You, I think if you were watching it now, you could, like, if we didn't know, and you put it on blind, I think you'd definitely take a punt at it being in the nighters. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's sent. I mean, I assume we're going to do a bit on the relationship between Yeah, which... that's our second port of call. So first of all, I thought... Yeah. The opening scene, we often talk about kind of setting your stall out mm-hmm. and to be honest i was really drawn in from the first minute because it just wasn't what i thought the film was i thought from the poster i thought it was a more arty kind of film i thought it was a french film and i've been probably quoting that on here for god knows how long mm-hmm. i thought so many other things and then when i see quite i don't know if atmospheric is the right word but i thought an atmosphere was certainly created just by how much they focused in on the heavy breathing yeah of the fat bloke running around yeah i thought it set it out as a comic booky in mm. the way he was moving around taking people out yeah um in in the way of almost like a like a zorro character yeah, it's, it's almost like, like it's, mate, it's almost like he's it's almost like he's on skates. Yeah, Glides. and all of that I didn't expect. And then I thought it was quite slick with the scene with the phone with him kind of coming out from the darkness. He's got the blade there, mm-hmm. and then the back and forth and just the mystery about it. And I wondered yeah. how we were going to get to where I still thought we were going because. I really didn't know, but I just had this strange idea in my head of what I thought the film was. Okay. Um, I thought it was going to be him essentially being this hitman, and then because this girl winds up on his doorstep, he has to move away from that and take the responsibility. Yeah. Because all I'd seen was a picture of the two of them side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it, really. Um, you have, I think, just after the opening scene, you've got him like slumped in the shower, and then the next shot is him laughing in the cinema. And I don't yeah. know if that was just in like the first fifteen minutes to just show, not even necessarily some complexity to the character, but just to show 
this isn't your traditional emotionless hitman. Yeah. He's not going to say a word. He's just going to move from cut to cut to cut. And the whole thing is going to be about drawing him out. I, I don't know if that was the purpose of it or if it was to make him seem more immature maybe than he would uh, he would have seemed in the profession that he's in. Yeah. Uh, I suppose it, it could it could actually just be either if you're being if you're being yeah. serious the way the relationship then moves. Um, because the, the the hitman with a soul isn't a unique concept, but this felt like it had a certain twist to that, and they explored it differently to how you would usually do. Say that again, sorry. Um, it's it's not an original concept, but it, I felt they explored it in a different way to how you usually would do it. Yes, yeah, very much so. Like even just the humanity, it's usually you approach it in the way of <laughs> there's like a sudden realization of I shouldn't be killing people. Yeah, they're almost the gross the, the gross point blank bit basically. Yeah, it? yeah. So. The relationship is obviously the big talking point when it comes to this film. Yes. Now, according to Jean Reno, he says he decided to play Leon as if he were a little mentally slow and emotionally repressed. That comes across, that is made very evident. It's not like one of these, do you know, like when I was, you sometimes hear actors say they made, um, Oh, I made this choice, yeah, or whatever, and you're like, "Well, that is fucking irrelevant." <laughs> it, it, it's quite clear. I was gonna when you were talking about this cinema, it, it, like I was probably going to use a word that we 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 shouldn't, but it, it, I think it is very clear. Yeah, I think it's hard to show via the methods of acting that someone's emotion is emotionally repressed. It's easy to do it via dialogue, but like this session, especially the little bit, the little bit slow. But I think part of that you would write as it being almost English being his second language um, as well. He he says he felt this would make audiences relax and realise that he wasn't someone who would take advantage of a vulnerable young girl. He claims that for Leon, the possibility of a physical relationship with Matilda is not even conceivable. And as such, during the scenes when such a relationship is discussed, he very much allowed Portman to be emotionally in control of the scenes. It seems a very odd thing to ask of a 12 year old. So the casting of this, and this is all kind of comes into one thing. So I did have something separate about Natalie Portman. Yeah. She's 11 years old when she's cast in this. The original casting was actually going to be Liv Tyler. Okay. The director said at 15 years old, she was too old. I, Fucking! I don't even know how to say. It. I I understand. I understand that point. It's a weird distinction to make, but I do for for the actual way the film plays out. Because it, I understand this point. It's interesting because Matilda isn't actually portrayed as a child, other than she watches cartoons. Like that's the only thing they show to really yeah point out and just scream in your face for any confusion. This is a young child. Um and other actions in the film would have you questioning that. So yeah, 
Okay, if I talk about her first, and then we'll come back to the relationship. So, eleven years old when she was cast. She. This is her first real acting role. She's not been in Heat by this point. She's eleven years old in this. She's doing more in Heat's ninety six. Is it not ninety five? What year was this? Sorry, this is ninety four. Oh, sorry, my bad. Ninety six or something. So yeah, she definitely got her practice crying in in this because she couldn't Mm. she couldn't fake cry. And she said, "Look, was on. I don't know how you view this now." He sprayed mint oil into her into her eyes. Jesus which she said was so painful that from then on yeah. she had no trouble crying real tears on command just to avoid being subjected to the mint oil again. Yeah, I bet that was fucking painful. Christ alive. <laughs> she says her parents were extremely worried about the smoking scenes in the film, and before they allowed her to appear, they worked out a contract with Bassan, which had strict mandates onto regards of the depiction of smoking. There could only be five smoking scenes in the film. She could never be seen to inhale or exhale smoke, and she would give up during the course of the film. Okay. So, of all the things to take a stance on, it seems yeah. strange that was the one. But it appears from where you hear them speak about it, both were confused as to the intentions of the relationships that their characters were supposed to have. So for Natalie Portman... 11 years old, she's probably not thinking about that too much. But as she's got older, I think she's Mm. almost had to reflect on it as to be like... Well, I assume she gets asked a lot of questions about it. Or there would have been a period. She doesn't really like talking about it because she said, just from merely playing this character in the film, she felt that it gave the world almost the, the, the free roam to feel like they could sexualize her before she felt comfortable with that. And it was against her choice, as as she was saying. She said she understands what the character does in the film, but the whole point of it is supposed to be that she doesn't know what love is and she doesn't understand a lot of these things. Yeah. And some of the mail that she received from some quite horrendous people across the world after it, saying quite graphic things to her. Yep. She said it it really if you look down her next roles, she feels that she can't play a character that even kind of expresses herself in that way. She felt that she had to kind of uh closet herself almost. Yeah. Go into yeah. a shell because it was quite scarring from the rea- the reaction and some of the responses. How fucking bad was you a child, man? So fuck is wrong with these people? They weren't allowed to rehearse the controversial scene, which is what makes you ask a lot more questions, actually, when she puts on a dress that's given to her by Leon. Yeah. Um, Reyna says that he often asked Basson when they would read the part, prepare for it, and he would just avoid the question. He says, not being able to read the scene may have helped with capture the awkwardness that the characters felt at that moment. He said... Leon and Matilda's relationship was very connected and very strange. Something I feel like we're doing almost disclaimers at every every week yeah. on, on this podcast, which says a lot about the people that are involved in this industry, but there are a number of accusations around Basson that came out after this film was released that if you view the film in the way 
that some do, it would only enhance your theory. Um, he insists there was never going to be any relationship in this. In fact, the the version that we would have seen yesterday, the European version, yeah, includes more of these things where they're having these discussions and she's talking about having sex with him and loving him and all of this. Yeah, when the film was tested in America, they hated it. Yeah, and so they took out effectively all of those scenes. Mm. And so it's a far more professional relationship when the film comes out in America. They consider us to be more progressive. I don't know how that reads on us. And they gave us a different cut over in Europe. Yeah. So in America, they didn't necessarily realize what the issue was. And it helped generate the buzz because this wasn't an issue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in the original script, he accidentally walks in on Matilda when she's in the bathroom She's naked and brushing her hair. He takes a towel and gives it to her. Yeah. Also in the original script for the film, Leon and Matilda, who's written as a 14-year-old, not sure how different that makes, Yeah. actually do become lovers and consummate their relationship. Jesus Christ, man. The lines from the original script, and I've trimmed this down because you don't really need to be going through all that. Yeah. It says, uh, she stands up and modestly gets off her briefs without taking off her dress. Leon cries, unable to oppose her. Matilda is too young, but she's also too beautiful and lovely. Leon embraces her. He's full of happiness, shame, so many emotions he can't control very well. But hell, how beautiful it is to see them. The son gets the message that That's- I should probably cut this script and leave it to be more ambiguous. If that's the term you want to use, what? Well, yeah, I'm. I'm quoting. No, I know, I've yeah, put yeah. that word in his mouth there. But when we were speaking yesterday, you watched it before me. Mm. It was effectively like a, a relief, almost of okay, that isn't in the film. Um, yeah, that's not where the film's going. And I actually said to you, in what sounded like a weird question at the time, is is the film supposed to be implying that? Is that like it definitely is? Spoilers yeah. a weird term, but. Is that is the film supposed to be insinuating this could happen? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and we and we're going that way about it. And it is. Yeah, I, and it builds and then it lulls and then it builds again. Because it, there are scenes, several scenes that are that are uncomfortable to watch because you are please don't. Do yeah, this. Like, yeah, and that's where you think it's heading at all to, at all points. Yeah, and then on the other hand, I can also see, and I actually have written before it went down this path mm. but I thought it was quite a beautiful story in that it was two people who essentially needed exactly what they were getting from the other person so she needed uh authoritative male figure that actually cared for her that was looking after her best interests yeah um aside from the fact that he's teaching how to be an assassin yeah. and he needed someone that could open up his view of the world someone that actually listened to him and gave him something more than just committing these jobs and then it goes down a path because the first time they have a conversation where she says that she loves him i kind of assumed he was going to nip that in the bud and be like look i see you as my daughter or whatever and then he just never quite expresses that um yeah 
you can get some things that are like the best of them. So the scene with them on her first job is great. Yeah. When they're having a discussion and she's already been sniping people from range at this point. Um, yeah. The Russian roulette standoff is great. Yeah, it's a very intense scene and is very well shot. The first job's interesting. Like we teach her the lesson and then she reciprocates by teaching him the lesson when she, when she basically burns all the heroin. Yeah, it's... It's, it's all going well. I, I've really enjoyed the film. Because um, you have the scene where he tells this story to Matilda mm. of his first love, and he's indicating yeah. that he can never love again because he was yeah. never able to get over the traumatic loss that he had. Mm-hmm. I even think if you do that scene earlier, <laughs> like you can avoid a lot of this. Yeah, I, I would. I would. I would imagine so. If you take it off the table early, then the rest of it becomes what it is. It becomes, I mean, it stays the story of the infatuation, but it's, I suppose it's the, the implication of the joint infatuation. That's the, is the yeah. thing that people are fucking out. I guess when we're saying that, the, the point is, this isn't something that we're reading into and it's just an unfortunate coincidence. Like the director is absolutely trying to put this yeah. question in your mind. It's not like, no, I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's one of the central elements of the plot, mate. Yeah, it's not even like it's a scene. It's every fucking ten minutes. Outside of the like the interactions between them, why does nobody quiz her age other than one hotel keeper? Yep. There's one like point where they're just getting, the just getting lagged up. They're getting lagged up, and no one's like weird. That kid's drinking champagne. Yeah, I wrote this down because this was the point where I was like, this is a bit. And even if it's taking you that long to be like, oh, oh, no, I mean, in terms of so the only person that hasn't known they aren't father and daughter has called it out at this point is more, I'm just wondering. Yeah, yeah. And then we see this, and it's like, okay, just no one else is acknowledging how old she is because the scene, I mean, she's obviously drunk Mm. and she starts laughing and she tries like climbing on him on the table. Yeah, and he has this look, and the scene gets cut off early. Actually, he has a look like he's just completely embarrassed at how immature she's being. Yeah, but then nothing really happens with that. Like it keeps going on and on. Yeah, and I thought that was going to be the point where he was going to say, "Like, like you need in. to change this. This happened. This. Yeah, this is why you need to get this idea out of your head or whatever." Yeah, but it wasn't. It's just kind of. If anything, the way the moral of the story goes is that he's prepared to accept her for that by the end of the film. Mm. Yeah, well, he sort of made, he makes a decision, doesn't he? He says, yeah, we're, we're locked in now. So She fires six shots out the window as well and nobody bats an eye. <laughs> nobody bats no, that's another yeah. thing. No one... No one <laughs> the other thing is mine. Um, it takes a long old time for the police to turn up. I know it turns out yeah. they're coppers, but you don't notice at this point. No, there's like shotguns ringing off. He launch. <laughs> yeah. He shoot. He shoots that old bird. He's, he, he says there shoots at that old bird. He's like, oh yeah, with DEA, no badges produced. At, like, n- n- where did it? Where where are they living? Like, what what's going on? Yeah, and you're Can right. We- yes, and even by the way, that sniper. I know the scene ends, but the blokes are like, oh, I'm all right, and they're like, oh okay, yeah, yeah. That uh, woman, Kevin yeah. Spacey's biology teacher. Well, says a lot. <laughs> um, 
some of the characters in the film. So Gary Oldman is the other standout. Very good in this. So my my first question for you is, uh, can you have too much from Gary Oldman? And if so, is this too much? No and no. The vague criticism I saw is that he's doing almost like a transformation when he bites into these pills. Yeah, I, yeah, that that is for me. I was like, is it, is it? What does it add? Doesn't like if he turns into it, like when the, he does it outside and then walks in and he's talking about Beethoven and Mozart and so on with the old man. If he doesn't, if he doesn't crush one of those pills, that seems still the exact same. Well, I, I remember watching uh, Splits with James McAvoy at the cinema. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw that, but no, I really liked it when it was the idea of this could be somewhat of a real concept in that there are people with split personalities mm-hmm. for a purpose of a film you can have some with all of these split personalities or whatever yeah. at some point in the film he he becomes a beast like he his body physically transforms and he's yeah. running on all four and that was the point where I checked out and this from Gary Oldman felt like it was going down that line like I yes. was in for a supernatural film that I didn't sign up for. Yeah, I get you. And it was explained as, um, not explained as in, it's real medication that he's taking and it's just Gary Oldman doing his thing here. It's called a Librium. Mm. It's a sedative and hypnotic medication of the benzodiazepine class. It's used to treat anxiety, insomnia, and withdrawal symptoms from alcohol and or drug abuse. Oh. Okay, makes sense that he then turn becomes he obviously becomes he just turns into this ultra confident dude. Yeah, um, the rampages he goes on are great. The mm. the scene in which uh, he's talking about his appreciation of Beethoven to Matilda's father, yeah, was completely improvised. Um, they say the scene was filmed several times with Oldman giving a different improvised story on each take. Okay, nice. So I mean, he's just phenomenal. Like he is, he is brilliant. Um, he's very like he's. He, I, I do like him in this. Um, he's a very, very good. He's just a very good villain. To be fair he to him. The longest we've mentioned him without you mentioning Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, very different roles, isn't it? Let's <laughs> um, play a copper. Yep. But my guy Jim would would never be about them games. And just some other little quirks that you get with this film. You get right at the start of the film, you get these great shots of uh, like the New York kind of skyline mm. and all of these things. And, and the moment when uh, the mum or the he, the dad's partner is, has been yeah. shot in the bath and you get the yeah. shot from the back yeah. with the blood and water pouring out mm-hmm. was very I thought good. Was, I thought that was different. You don't see often see a shot no. like that. And the tension of her approaching Leon's yes. door as yeah. to where he's going to open, which I then thought was almost like uh, one of your favourite films, actually. It, they didn't go full Wayne's World. But it was very much like the way the light shone on her face was like when they show heaven in films, wasn't it? Mm, I get that. I suppose that was it, salvation. That's what he, yes. that's what he represents at that point, is he's literally going to save her. So, also, it takes... Takes a, a TV coming on that blows her eye. Actually, that little girl <laughs> that's just walked past a lot of shopping. It couldn't possibly. Yeah, she's going to stop investigating <laughs> that now. Yeah, 
Well, um, I mean, he's, he's supposed to be a copper as well. Yeah. No wonder so, they turned to selling drugs. I can tell you, you weren't solving a crime. The big guy from behind the door that nearly shoots them on the way out. Yeah. Um, Keith Glasgow, Benny, the character's name was. He later becomes a member of the New York Fire Department. You can maybe see where this is going. Um, died uh, on 9-11. Jesus. Oh, resting. In terms, um, of ca- in terms of casting, um, both Mel Gibson and Keanu Reeves were extremely interested in the role of Leon. I think if Keanu Reeves did it, it just automatically seems less noncy. Whereas Mel Gibson feels like <laughs> we've gone up another notch. <laughs> yeah, I can feel what you're saying. Yeah. The director's other consideration was Robert De Niro. De Niro, same bracket as uh, Reeves. I'd even I think I'd have De Niro in the um, same bracket as I think uh, Reno that's actually cast. Like I can see his mannerisms and things slotting yeah. into this. I can see yes. it moving across quite well. Yeah, well they actually go on to be in a film together, don't they? And a couple of years later, which one? Uh, they're in Ronin together. Oh, oh yeah, uh, both watched that around the same time, I believe. Mm. Um. Mel Gibson. I don't need to see Mel Gibson in them sunglasses. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, da- we just need to see him dance with the Aztecs. <laughs> um, the ending. Yeah, it's it's like they brought uh, Michael Bay on as an EP. Yes, <laughs> because as we always say, if you go down the checklist, mm-hmm. stuff starts getting blown up. We love to see it. Yeah, I do think some questions should be asked before the entire police department are called to take out one guy. Mm-hmm. Like, because they're down for action when, when blowing the entire floor of a building up because yep. Gary Oldman's going, we need to get this guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure they've mentioned, well, they've mentioned obviously that there is a kid there. The kid mm-hmm. is in there with him and they're still flinging in these explosives. Yeah. Yeah, good. A little shot in the back. Thought was 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 quite a moment. Did you know? And I was going to tell you. I don't know if you might know this. I've actually seen you reference this film to today, once. Um, they had a script for a sequel. Oh uh, yeah, that's our next uh, <laughs> photo call. Oh, okay. So because I do, have, I do have the details behind it. Yeah, me too. Um, the um. Him hanging from the door frame, mm-hmm. coming down was very good. Yeah, uh, more questions should probably be asked of this police department. Again, yeah, they no wonder half them are selling drugs because they're definitely not. They ain't making arrests. <laughs> the tension in in this is great as to who's going to get out alive, what's going to yeah. happen. I always hate when there's the big emotional discussion when you are quite clearly on a time limit. Yeah, and she won't just get down that chute. Yeah, you you now have to go. He's still all die, quite literally. I don't know what's changed for him either, because nothing seems to have kind of uh, no switch seems to have been tripped in his character. That suddenly he now is prepared to say that he loves her, and so maybe it's just the intensity of the moment <laughs> itself. Um, and it's, it's always just great to see a villain get their comeuppance. Yeah, you're a big fan of that, aren't you? I, yeah, ever since we did uh, The Fugitive. 
You, you re-reference this comeuppance a lot. Well, even if it's you being locked up, like I need to see some kind of uh, yeah, vindication, or, yeah. or I need to see you win. I, I just need to. I need it to be some kind <laughs> you need of it to be conclusion. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't that's... like it to be like the oh, the one that I hate from the jump, Dark Knight. We know Joker's going to get out at some point. At least arrest him for the purpose of this. At least let me see him behind bars. At least do something rather than, you know, this little chat on a rooftop and then you leave him hanging there. Do something a bit more. And in this, even if it was he's able to leave some evidence behind, like we had with uh, Safe House Mm. and the bad guys can get their comeuppance that way. Always better, obviously, if you can see them get taken out. Yeah, I, can't, I don't. I don't care for it as much as you do. It must be said. There are What's... some. There are some. There are some notable examples that I dislike. Um, but on the whole, yeah, I don't know. It's not. It's not. It's not as important to me. I'll say spoiler alert for anyone. Then I can skip fifteen seconds. There was a particular character in Game of Thrones that you were waiting the whole time for, and then they were buried in a pile of rubble at the end of just like a meaningless episode and so that kind of thing it's like i've been hating you for this long i need to see i hate the house of cards build up to then i need to see it come down Hmm. was there ever a part of this where you thought leon was going to walk out into those bright lights and get his freedom uh no because i knew he died seen it before yeah but can you not remember the first time around no, I was like eight. <laughs> That's it. You think there was which, no hitman coming after you? You could have which, been in there. Uh... Which is what shook me when I really watched this, and I thought, "Oh, yeah, this is." <laughs> <laughs> is, this, is this why you started smoking? No, no. That was that. No, no. That was more. That was more due to my to to the amount I drank. The two, <laughs> the two go hand in hand. So on the sequel, as you said, it's been claimed that Luc Besson has written the script for a sequel, mm. which Olivier Megaton, who later goes on to direct Taken 2, so they obviously have a uh, relationship. Mm. Um, so he was going to direct it. Natalie Portman would reprise the Matilda role. Filming mm-hmm. was to be delayed until she was a bit older. However, in the meantime, Besson left Gaumont Film Company to start his own movie studio, Europa Corp. Unhappy at Besson's departure... The Gaumont Film Company has held Leon the Professional's rights close to their vest and will not budge. According to Megaton, the sequel will more than likely now never happen, and he used the idea for Columbiana. Mm. Which I don't think I've ever seen, to be honest. I've heard enough about it. Um, no, I'm but... not sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I just don't, I don't remember ever seeing it. No, feels a... Uh... A waste by the end, but if you're not going to get the rights, seems like Natalie Portman probably doesn't have the. Uh... I don't know. What did you think she? I mean, I, mean, I might be wrong, but if, I mean, from what you've said, it sounds as though she might not have the appetite to return to the character anyway. No, so I completely understand how it, I read it. The the sequel there was quite literally like we'll let her get a bit older and yeah. then do it. So she probably was still a teenager, and her reflections on it, I think. She turned 18, and I think maybe some journalists felt that they could ask her some questions they couldn't get away with when she was 17. Yeah. And then maybe she was able to express herself a bit better. 
or just finally say some things to people and she was a big enough star where she didn't feel there was going to be any uh, comeback on that. Which... So she was 11 in this in 94. Yeah. So she would have been 18 in 2001. So she's been in Star Wars. So she's 12. Point, right? So she's, she's 12. No, uh, it's like 99 is yeah. uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, so she's been in Star Wars. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you meant by the time she'd done this and I was... No, no, I was going to say, by the time like, you, say, and you say when she hits, hits 18, 19, and yeah. this thing yeah. we can ask her about and you're right. She's been in Star Wars. She's been in one. She's going to be in another one. She's probably done. I think she does something else in between. She she's like a legit star at this point. So yeah, she, yeah, she can probably say what she wants. She's eleven when she got cast in this. She's twelve when it's being filmed. Mm. Could you tell if if you'd put the films next to each other, would you have been able to tell that it's the same guy that goes on to do Taken? No. It would maybe there's anything that like he refined his style maybe or uh, maybe I wouldn't uh, it, it, I'd have to uh, yeah I, I would have to put them side by side it's not one I wouldn't make the link automatically I wouldn't even make, make I wouldn't make the jump I think you would you, I would have to sit and watch them both and I think some of the scenes some of the way the fight scenes occur from memory I mean it's been a while since I think the last one I watched Taken was when we did it on the pod yeah um, very long experience for you yeah, so he just in that film, he just cannot. He struggles to have a conversation. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> I do like that. To be been behind the desk too long. <laughs> you don't know the difference between a, a loaded and an unloaded gun. Um, yeah, I think some of some of the action scenes probably probably do hold similarities. And I framework think even some of the lighting does. The framework of essentially an older guy protecting a young girl from the horrors of the world is just carried over, which seems that's a lot of his films to be fair. And but that's not unique. That, I don't think that's unique. To no, him. no. Anyone going to be my point. search his name can do so. Uh, just as we said with uh, Kevin Spacey and so on yeah. and so on. And unfortunately, so unfortunately, on. so on. So do you want to get into the judging? I, all right. I always say I should have this loaded up. Didn't have it loaded up, but here we are. Okay. Which film did you prefer? <laughs> You're not going to like my answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Rise of the Foot Soldier. Yeah, I, I preferred Leon. Um, my I think my answer is the same as well. I, I'm not sure I'll be rewatching Rise of the Foot Soldier. I'm unsure, to be honest. After watching that, it's it's very problematic. As as, as people, I, like I'm not saying things. I'll rewatch that one either. By the way, I think there's probably more I could appreciate on a rewatch um, than vice versa. I will. T- I will tell you. I, no, I can't guarantee it because there's no such thing as a guarantee. But there's a 99 percent chance that I rewatch. I rewatch Rise of the Foot Soldier. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, best moment slash scene. It's the it's the Stansfield shootout in Leon. I think I'd go the first shootout. Yeah, fair crack. Yeah, that was the one that I I knew I was in for a treat. Mm-hmm. Although no, I fair enough. didn't quite know what I was uh, in for. Yeah, okay. Best quote. Yeah, one prostitute, two prostitute, three <laughs> prostitute, four prostitute. Because it's impossible to hear that like, and not burst out laughing. I think mine would be asking him uh, get back in the pool in there, swim some lengths. 
Mm. Um, but I mean, there's there's plenty in that film. That's yep. probably the ones that made me laugh far more. MVP. Actually, it's probably Matilda. Yeah, um, Matilda versus Pat Tate would be an <laughs> interesting matchup, but I'll go with Matilda. <laughs> I mean, she, she, ends up with, she ends up with a shed load of money and she doesn't die and the people that she wants to be killed are all dead. Yep, there is her plans as well. Mm. Best side character. Will you give Gary Oldman? Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, that's the answer. I think I'll go for Tony on the side. Fair. Um, which one had you more on the edge of your seat? Uh, Leon. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, action per minute. I think it's probably Rise of the Foot Soldier. There's a lot of Leon where yeah, there's dialogue and conversations between the well, two of been, them. There's a lot, but I think there's at least... Of the two hours twelve, there's probably closer of that than there is of the one hour and a half of uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier. Yeah, I'd say Rise of the Foot Soldier. Best soundtrack. Uh, Rise of the Foot Soldier. Yeah, fantastic soundtrack. These th- these films always have good soundtracks. Man, they they have genuinely all of these directors who do these low budget like British gangster films. They must have just heard that Tarantino quote once and thought, yeah, this is the way we do it. Just about yeah. if you're making an indie, spend your money on the music, make it memorable, and they've all done it. The business does it, and so on and so forth. They literally all do it. I prefer this to the business, by the way. <sighs> Bold, okay. A lot of the praise I saw for this was the way that they framed the '80s. Now, when it gets closer, there's criticism of Pat Tate looking like a 50 year old bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. going right. a couple of school discos. But in terms of the way they actually set out uh, the era. Yeah, that was what they got a lot of props for. Yeah, fair enough. Originality, uh, Leon. Yeah, uh, bigger impact. Same answer. Although only one of them got sequels, baby. Yep. Best opening scene. Ah, uh, yes, Leon. Best ending. Yes, Leon. And best chemistry. Oh, I can't get. I can't do it. <laughs> it's Rise of the Foot Soldier. <laughs> I, I can't be giving credits to this. Um, I'll go with Leon. Um, I can't be rewarding this behaviour. Ten three. Yeah, was I was going to say. Also, also, at this point, it wasn't as though we were in for a close match, and I'm, throw, <laughs> I'm throwing anything away. I've, no, I, I can't give you an exact account, but I know I've said the words Leon more than I have the word Rise of the Foot Soldier. Yeah. 10-3 is the final score. So Leon goes through to the next round. I will tell you right now what it is next week. It is the return of Ryan Gosling. It is Drive versus Man on a Ledge. Both really films. You're going to say nice guys. No. Both with a one hour, 40 minute runtime. Short week for the boys. So you seen Drive before? I have. I saw Drive. I think I saw it at a cinema, but I can remember literally nothing of it. I've never um, seen it. Is this not the one where it's just, it's not the one shot thing where he's just in the motor, is it? No, no. afraid no. of that at the time. No. Okay, fine. I remember a scene of him beating the fuck out of someone in a lift, but that's okay. literally all I remember. Um, Man on a ledge, you ever seen? Yes. Um, as I would have said next week, there was a 
day where me and Sean went back to back to back at the cinema. Um, Marlon Ledge was one of them. Chronicle was the first, and The Grey was the conclusion. Jesus. So I don't know what the Chronicle is. I've never seen it. I referenced it uh, when we did the Place Beyond the Pines pod. Uh, so, like the handheld footage, they get oh, okay. superpowers, yes. but they use them. Badly. Right, I'm with you. I remember what you said now. Yeah. Uh, and the grey. <laughs> so, there okay. we go. Thank you for listening to another edition. We'll be back next week. Adios.